0: Welcome back, my friends, to the second part of Mambo What together with Alexis Ruiz and Bina. So let me give you a little recap of the first part where we talked a little bit about Alexis' journey in Japan, his passion and love for the history of Mambo. So yeah, keep listening and enjoy the second part with Alexis. This is Mambo Watt with Bina
1: it's yeah. nice to see like from from different perspectives because you know everybody has a different approach and a different perspective of how they see things it's like when people uh, talk about mambo uh, mostly people who never actually heard about salsa or mambo before uh, if they say mambo it's like a uh, they think about Lou Vega. Uh, Mambo it's number Mambo five. Number exactly. Five. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's One, what they think Mambo two, is. Three yeah. four five yeah.
0: everybody. The Mambo know. what? <laughs> that's exactly. why my yeah. this is exactly the reason why this podcast is right. Mambo Mambo what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Nobody knows what Mambo is. <laughs> exactly.
1: But that's basically the, the portrayal of many people mm. got exposed to Mambo word.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: the For me, it's like, okay, that's the newer generation that knows. Now, Lo Vega is super old. I I feel like, okay, I'm getting old (laughs) because, uh, you know, it's Lo Vega. And that was back in, what, 90s, right? Mm -hmm. 90s, 2000s, something like that. Uh, But that's basically how many people got introduced to the word Mambo, right?
0: Yeah, and I would love people to understand the difference a little bit, you know? Like, I feel when people talk about salsa, they see, there's like a, I don't know if stigma is the right. Oh, the stereotypical image, right? Yeah, every time when I talk about, yeah, I I dance salsa, or first I say, I dance mambo. They don't get it. Exactly. So then I explain, (laughs) no, it's salsa, but, you know, it's, they don't get it. They feel like it's, I cannot really explain what it is, but people outside our community don't really understand the beauty of Mambo. Yeah. You know? Yes.
1: And this yeah. is something, as I said, uh, I know that, for instance, Eddie Torres has been like working so hard o- through all his life uh, trying to to kind of portray that is it's a higher level of not just the dance itself, but it's like a beautiful culture yes. behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. That goes beyond just simply going to the club and and just get drunk and just pick up girls, right? Because it's basically, un- unfortunately, really? yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it has, has also been under stigma. Papi, you didn't hear that. <laughs> it's a little stigma that actually has been tainting the, the culture itself. But I mean, unfortunately, as I said, this, this is also, a, besides being an art form, it's also a communication medium. It's a social dance. Happens always in the club, hmm. right? And you have two types of Um, how can I say Uh, social dance environment Uh, let's say in Latin America the social dance environment back in the days was very different you don't go alone to a party you go with a bunch of friends or you go with your girlfriend Mm -hmm. but if you went alone you were a loser meaning you cannot just simply randomly go and dance with different people it's like okay you didn't bring a dance partner wow what a loser kind of right it was like that you don't if you want to ask a girl to dance, you have to check that she's alone or you ask the partner, like, can I dance with your partner? Mm -hmm. It used to be like that, but Mm -hmm. super like orthodox in a way. But then it changed. And then uh, people like, uh, they don't really go in Latin America to dance. Like you don't see people buying dance shoes. You go to socialize to drink and by the way, when I dance, Mm. it's very different. So when I went to Japan and when I went let's say to Europe, I I was like a shock by how the communities, the, the, the social dynamic on the so, on the dance floor is very different. Mm-hmm. But it, it was happening already before in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different type of culture. In the 50s, people went to dance.
0: Yeah. Right. I was social dancing um, in New York two years ago. Completely different than to the Swedish community. It was so cool. Everybody's dancing with everybody, yeah. no matter the level. And it's just beautiful, I really loved it
1: I mean it's a different vibe, right it's like yeah, it's part of the culture of the city as well and
0: everybody's is to- everybody's dancing mambo on
1: yeah, I mean people have this kind of i mean people don't even think of on they just dance, yeah, and that's how they do it, that's how they learn it's like it's not not such a thing as like in Europe, I think it was much more more like uh, the established lines of of the lane of you dance on two or you dance on one because you know you got bombarded by everything that came outside and also you know social media has been also kind of not bothering but you know creating kind of like segregation in the on the dance floor Mm -hmm. i think it's nice that people find their own way to to dance and everything but um I think it's a 50-50 thing. Some people like that is like a, a, a room dedicated only for timba, a room dedicated only for line dance or like mambo mm-hmm. dance, and another for like romantica, right? <laughs> but then you, you start to kind of separate. And in some events where everything is blended, mixed together, I mean, people don't don't talk about on one or on two or Cuban they just dance they do. yeah right? love that. and this happened in Latin America let's say but now as I said the, the dance communities has been kind of evolving parallel you have the dance community that basically dance because of the culture and the other dance community dance of course for the culture but at the same time it's like a, a little more elevated uh, dance culture right back in the days like as I said, in Latin America we, we used to be like that you just dance because you dance uh, but now it's like even in Latin America you have people who really want to educate themselves on how the the dance technique was developed back in the 50s. Now you I, I go that. back to my country and I see the level of the people dancing it's like wow mm-hmm. it's super I mean they got the flavor but now they got the school they got the technique. And it's so beautiful to see how he flourished.
0: And I think also the the um, educational part started also like mm. with editorials. You know, yeah, back I mean, then they nobody, I guess maybe you know more, but I, nobody was really interested in like technique and the drilling and you know like they were just dancing, the palladium time. But then I guess with editorials it came all the era of like teaching yes uh, how do I spin correctly?
1: He created a methodology yeah that's the thing and the methodology was not just by him itself but basically as he actually talked about is about his teacher mm-hmm. his ballroom teacher um, you know encouraging him to actually develop a system and, and be more technical and you know have kind of a universal dance vocabulary mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that actually happened that, level up the, the learning process for everybody who is not really related to the culture mm-hmm. because as a musician you know you have to learn how to read music you don't have to you can play as you want freely because it's an art form but if you want to kind of communicate and you want to pass uh, this kind of knowledge to other musicians you have to have a common language it's you, you read music mm-hmm. so even if you don't know the language itself if you know the 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 language of music you can you can play you can communicate and the same happen with the dancing so dancing wise and music wise basically both things happen at the same time so if a musician is know how to read why a dancer doesn't know how to read the the music Mm. we should know a little bit of that so that's what happened with the choreographical timing choreographical timing is when the dancer comes from 1 to 8 that is basically referring to the melodic phrase a melodic phrase is composed of two bars. One bar has four beats. Like you have two bars together, that's a melody. And mm-hmm. in, in Latin music, basically the melodies make sense because the melody is repetitive all the time. <laughs> 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 one, two, three, four, <laughs> one, two, three, four. <laughs> and you put that phrase together, it's eight beats, yeah. equals to one basic step. So it makes sense. So when you start to connect this. Uh, like system into the music, everything squares up. And that's how basically m- makes things seem more effortless. You mm-hmm. you work smarter than harder. Back mm-hmm. like in the days, it was no methodology to teach. It was super hard. Right. But Nowadays, it's like super easy to kind of teach and to pass the message because you have a system. Yeah. And it's getting cleaner and cleaner every
0: year. Yeah. So, But still, again, I encourage everyone that has the possibility to attend one of your lectures Uh, i think it's a must for every dedicated dancer that wants to be good and 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 great like yeah it's really cool
1: i appreciate i mean i i I like passing the message i mean i geek about these things and i think i felt so much in love with this by knowing these details rather Mm -hmm. than just knowing how to dance and I know for a fact that I will keep doing this uh, till the day I die. Yes, Because please. I'm so pas- passionate about it. And, you know, if I manage to infect some people with a little bit of this knowledge and, you know, widening up the views, I mm-hmm. think I w- I'm happy. Because yeah. it's going to keep uh, more awareness and, you know, keep also the culture alive. Right. It's important to, to, to keep it alive because it's, it's involving everybody as well. Yeah. It's a collective, so collective. It's so beautiful
0: so when are you back in stockholm <laughs> do you have do you have like a workshop uh, soon again
1: well we have is uh, there
0: anything planned there
1: as for now because the, the only reason i mean the only uh, event that i was basically a must that i was coming here is not happening anymore which is the uh, hot salsa weekend in november yeah right well, so
0: Harvey. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we, we i mean i missed that one but it's a, of course, there's more things going on. And I have a good cooperation with different dancers here. For, for instance, uh, also in Stockholm, some Dance. And with Constantine and Arcadia, we have a mm-hmm. good cooperation going on. And they are making this um, Mambo Revolution Party, which we are actually cooperating and making it also in Oslo.
0: Yeah, it's called Nordic Mambo Project.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's a, basically a collectiveness of Mambo enthusiasts. We want to expand it more because as for now, we, we have Norway and, and, uh, and Sweden. But we want to expand and we'd like to, you know, integrate more people in Scandinavia. Because Mm -hmm. basically it's a Scandinavian project that basically combines the most representative of Scandinavia and and do projects together, like, you know, showcasing and keep it like the Mambo, exactly, Mambo trademark, basically. That's what we are identifying with. And we just, we want to carry the torch and, and put... Scandinavian in the map, basically.
0: Right. I love that.
1: I think it's a, it's a nice thing. And Scandinavia has a lot of potential and great uh, people who actually represent Mambo. And that's what we want to do.
0: Yeah. Right? And you do represent Mambo and more together with your wife, Iseline. Yes. So she is, uh, she is killing it in the tap dancing scene. Yes. And you have a school together.
1: Yes, correct. Which we, is called... Acustica. Acoustica. Alur basically is my dance company.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it started in 2015. It was a Mambo dance company. And yeah, we were, in fact, the first ones that, um, you know, put like, okay, this is Mambo. What are we going to do? Not salsa, but Mambo. And we started to to travel. We, we just went to different countries. Uh, not just in Europe. We went also to... Um, I brought this. We went to Turkey. We went to... We were supposed to be in Japan as well. Uh, something okay. happens so we couldn't do it but now we want to bring it also to Japan so the project is now merging because with my wife um, she's a tap dancer and I mean she's a jazz dancer she did ballet and she danced tap and she has been um, now she actually has the oldest tap dance school in, in Norway
0: oh wow she
1: started with um, it's called Tickle Toes and her teacher Shashti Evanson I mean she's like an eminence of tap dancing in Norway, and then when she retired, she passed the school to to Iselin or, or to us because we cooperated together from before. So she actually owned the owns the oldest school uh, of tap dance, and now she's the leading teacher. And it
0: looks so cool.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, we have so many things in common when it comes to to the the dance and the music because the also mambo dance has been influenced a lot by tap dancers. Mm-hmm. So. The Without, exactly. We, we don't know. We're talking about the same <laughs> steps and the same musicians. We're like, oh my goodness, you know, so many. I didn't know there were so many things in common. So then we start working together, and now she's also a Mambera. So, <laughs> 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 and then, I mean, we have, we decided to just merge the schools together, you know. My, I never really had my own school in, in Norway, but then I just decide, decided to just go for it. And that's how we put together, in a way.
0: Yeah. Okay, where's Acoustica coming from?
1: Acoustica is the name of the corporation of the schools.
0: Right. Have. Okay, now I get it. Now you guys get it as well. <laughs> so Acoustica is the name
1: <laughs> of the school. Allure is the name of the dance company. Now ah, you have Allure Mambo Company and Allure Tap Dance Company. So Isling okay. also built his uh, tap company. And where co- we cooperate. So it's basically. And we have in our school uh, our annual uh, showcase. So mm-hmm. where we have basically... Uh, nice stage and you know every every student both in tap dancing in mambo they they present a choreography right okay so that's happening in may but also in norway we will have the annual dance festival which is called the nordic uh, sans experience nordic-
0: oh, okay and when is that
1: that's in may as well
0: All right, you guys, you know where to be in May.
1: And we're going to work with the Nordic Mambo project. We are actually having a a special tribute to the founder of what is called Son Montuno and the Mambo, which is Mm -hmm. Arsenio Rodriguez. So it's going to be a tribute show dedicated to the master. So we're going to make a compilation of different things. And it's a surprise. We are actually putting things together. It's going to be a lot of fun. But that's basically what's going to happen in the the days, in these upcoming months that is involved in Sweden in Norway, Mm -hmm. right? So All
0: right. I think I need to buy tickets then.
1: You should come. Yeah, I will. It's it's, it's going to be fun. It's a fun event. I love
0: watching your shows. I remember the first ever show I saw you live was the Nordic Mambo Project together with Konstantin. But it was just Shines and with guys. It was at Hot Sasa Weekend. I think it was 2018 as well.
1: Yes, it's true. That was a nice one. You know, it's funny with Konstantin. We did a, we did this choreography um, in Sweden for um, it was a festival going on uh, in uh, Vastervik, mm-hmm. I think, and it was like um, a camp mm-hmm. uh, for boog and swing and also salsa. And with Konstantin, we decided to improvise a show. Let's do something together. I and mean, th- there, in, in in this kind of cabin, at the we were, spot, exactly. We just mixed the song. We did the choreography like four hours or something and then we pre- presented the, the the show and we both liked it people liked it and said well, we're going to expand it and then i did a piece in norway he did a piece in, in sweden with his own people and then we put it together and that's basically how the nordic Map project was born
0: wow i love it <laughs> yeah that's really cool and what i also like about your um your performances is that there's always a storytelling yeah i saw one um i don't know who your dance partner was. I think it was Katrin. Yeah,
1: Katrin. She's still my dance partner. Yes. Yes.
0: You know, there's always like a storytelling going on in, when yeah. you when you perform. The other one, I think there was a performance uh, that I saw on YouTube um, that was in Japan. It was more like, I don't know, Black Pearl kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very jazzy.
1: Yes, correct. <laughs>
0: so and then uh and the latest one also together with the nordic um Mamba project together with constantine and other great dancers there's also like you know the fight between the guys and yes. there's always a storytelling and yeah. you don't see that anymore so much and i love that also about your project so much
1: I, I think that i mean dancing is is nice i i i like to you know just dance for dancing or choreograph for dancing but you can tell more that's the thing. oh yeah And I've always been kind of fascinated by my heroes. Basically, it's like Charles Chaplin and also (laughs) the old school dancers like Fred Astaire, Sid Charisse, you know, Gene Kelly. uh, Watching all these old films, old dancing films. It's like so, Mm -hmm. so inspiring. At least they, I mean, they, they are like forever classics, right? And you can say so many things without a word. And... I think there's something that's so charming about it. For me, music tells a story, and I can just simply use the choreography to put kind of a visual aid mm. to the story. This is
0: what you meant with um, your body.
1: Use the body use... as an instrument, correct?
0: Yeah. yeah. Now and I it... can I I understand what you mean because not so many do that anymore. Telling a story.
1: I mean, it's like it's like playing. It's like mm-hmm. I I'm, I get so um, amused and so kind of. Um, blown away when I see a, a virtuoso instrumentalist like let's say a conguero nowadays they like in, in just one bar they play like almost 800 notes
2: Brrr,
1: like amazing And but the thing I, I, I see the comments of, of like old school percussionists and say yeah that's wow so amazing but you are not talking you should make the instrument talk when you do a solo wow. I mean you can show skills but the skills are just skills you don't send a message Mm -hmm. and this is what i think about also dancing wise and in my opinion i have um not 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 really against because i think it's a very positive thing as well like you have the competition shows the competition shows are very important in a way because they keep developing the technique Mm -hmm. the issue is when you only do that it's like back in the days when the congress were like in the beginning you will see shows that everybody was doing something different and they had stories to tell. Mm -hmm. And it was not really related to the competition shows. Now, when they start to blend the competition shows together with the Congress, then the artists will bring the competition show to showcase in the Congress. Mm -hmm. And people will see that like, wow, it's amazing. But it's just skills. It's a competition. You you have to show you have skills, right? You don't necessarily have to tell a story. And then everybody starts to go for it. And then... Little by little, you start to lose the essence of the individuality of a show. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like generically looking like somebody. And it, I think it's nice to be inspired by somebody, but you don't need to imitate. Mm-hmm. You don't have to kind of sacrifice your own personality just because you want to wow impress people, right? Yeah. So And this is basically what I see is kind of a little lost. And I personally, I don't like competitions, especially in salsa, because it's hard to judge the flavor of somebody. Interesting. Is If you see like competition of ballroom, I understand, because that's a sport.
0: I totally agree. I always say that it's sport.
1: It's exactly. I mean, <laughs> you you will be judging for how many degrees the angle is. Everybody knows what to do, because there is this, like standard choreography, standard movements. Yeah. In salsa, is so diverse. You have so different styles. Uh, you cannot judge uh, of the triple spin compared to a guy who actually has a very nice flow movement right so it's like how can you judge that so it's not objective so until actually you have an objective panel and, and objective criteria then i will agree to okay yeah competitions is nice uh, but there's so many different competitions going on with different criterias and just people get confused so i personally kind of i try to stay away i choreograph already for people who won the the championship mm. in norway um, and I was just reading the criteria I was like, oh my goodness <laughs> it's like, this is not for me you know?
0: Do you think the salsa community is going towards ballroom? you know, more into the competing part more into no. the technique part
1: I think it's um, um,
0: which would be a shame, I have to say no,
1: that's the thing it's like we, we have been having a lot of issues in the salsa community before because many of the panel uh, panelists and all the judges were not salsa people they were ballroom people and they don't know how to actually the technique oh, that's should weird. look like. I didn't know that. It was it was horrible. So we are actually getting judged by people who doesn't even know how to social dance.
0: That doesn't know the culture, exactly, the history. <laughs>
1: but nowadays we have judges that basically are the basically founding fathers of what is the salsa technique, mm-hmm. and that has been a, a huge plus because you will finally start to get a criteria that makes sense to social dancers. But as I said, I mean. And um, it's very different, different um, environment, different kind of vibe when you to competitions. And I mean, as I said, it's, it's very nice for those who likes to compete. And it's nice to just they should keep developing that and, and perfecting the, the criteria, in my opinion. But keep it away from the social dancing. Yeah. So don't blend these things. And that's one of the things also happening with workshops where you see many in many workshops, you start to learn choreographies, which is amusing, but it's unrealistic. You cannot do that on the on the social dance floor. You start to do combinations that actually... I, I personally look at them and say, wow, I cannot even do that with my own dance partner. I need to learn that because it's a very skillful thing to do on stage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to do it on the social dance floor, I might kill somebody, you know? <laughs> I break a <laughs> bone. So that's one of the things that's very important to, to kind of... Put in very separated categories, like not just simply amuse s- s- students, but tell them, guys, this is for a show, guys, this is social dancing, and this has been kind of missing. But I mean, self dancing and all these things still under development. We have so much to go for and to learn, in mm-hmm. fact, and perfect, and to define. <clears throat> so definition has been losing a little bit, and but it's kind of. Getting in place mm-hmm. because it was horrible before. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we see that now and we think it's not so good, back in the days was worse. Because you, you you see blending of different things. You were going to workshops where you learn tricks, and then you see these people doing those tricks in the party.
0: Oh wow! It
1: was wild, wild west. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was very amusing, right? So,
0: oh, a lot of elbows oh, in yes. the face. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I think it's getting cleaner in many ways, but um, it's, it's a collective effort between teachers, promoters, everybody has to kind of uh, get their, you know, the heads together and in, in define mm-hmm. the different path when it comes to dancing. Yeah. Right.
0: Is that also something, a message that you bring into your lectures? Yes. Do- oh, totally. Nice. Yeah.
1: It's like, okay, you want to compete, you want to do shows. Okay. This completely different kind of thing. And, that's what I teach in my my school. Mm-hmm. I go for mambo. I don't call it salsa anymore because I do mambo. I, th- I, th- I teach mambo. There you go. And 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 when and I teach social dance. It's like the, voc- the universal things. vocabulary where you can just go anywhere. I mean, in so many places in the world, and I don't even know how to mambo a word in their own language, but I dance, and that's the language. Mm-hmm. And I, I, if I know how to connect, I how to use the the basic rudiments, I can make my partner dance and have a great time. So that's basically what I focus on, giving the tools to create your social dance, not just to learn a choreography.
0: And how would you recommend um, dances to improve, like in social dancing, for instance?
1: I mean, for, for social dancing, there's two foremost things you have to do. Take classes and doesn't matter with whom. You've gotta take classes and you gotta go social dancing I know it's in the beginning it's scary because you you first of all people get anxious because you think everybody's looking at you and this is the message for the beginners don't worry nobody's looking at you <laughs> people is just busy with on their own bubble figuring out their own thing so and you have to endure mm. it's, it's um it's not a, especially mambo or salsa it's, it's not it's not an easy dance compared to bachata I mean bachata I, I'm not decent bachata people because Uh-oh. I I dance bachata, and I was one of the first ones in Norway doing a bachata show. So I know all, what is all about this. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's way easier than dancing salsa. The tempo is different. The timing is different. It, it requires much more discipline. Uh, until it, I mean, before it gets fun, in the beginning, you have to suffer a little bit. So <laughs> cling in there, be patient, because the reward is so big.
0: Oh, yeah. Big time.
1: I mean, it's like people throw the towel after, like, they don't see a big result in three months. It's so, like, come on, three months is nothing. No. Right? It takes years to finally get into the position where you can see, wow, you can create your own sentences, <laughs> yeah. right?
0: It's funny that you're saying it because I my last episode was with Carolina Dexwick, and that was actually the, the core discussion about, like, you know, having this whole journey from a beginner until... Um, a point where you feel comfortable, where you feel yes. like, okay, I'm actually right now after four years, <laughs> four years, exactly, both of us yeah. kind of creating our own style, yes. noticing like what you like, noticing oh this is not my thing, I like this one, noticing that you want to create something else, so it's. We are talking four years. Or even more. When did I start Mambo? 18. So it's almost six years. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And I'm not saying like I'm done or I'm good or whatever. I'm just at the point where I feel like, okay, I see the bigger picture now. You know? That's
1: the funny thing is you're never done. No. I keep learning. I've been doing this since I'm 12. Yeah. And I'm still learning. It's like, it's so deep. Mm. It's so deep. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so many possibilities. And at the same time, it's also... uh, a thing that is keep evolving.
0: It's a never-ending learning process, I would say. And yeah. this
1: is the beauty of it. I mean, if, if the moment I come to the conclusion that I, 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 I'm I done learning, I'm, I'm done with my career because then I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. The moment you think you know it all, you know nothing. And that's the thing. It's the, even I love teaching beginners because while teaching beginners, I keep perfecting my technique. Right. Right. And, and, and I get so amused by the questions because... The questions from a beginner, they are so truthful. Yeah. They are so naked.
0: Why don't and we dance on four? I
1: mean, Some of the questions that I get, uh, tar- like bombarded with, it just really put me in the spot, and that's like right. Really rethink my technique, rethink my methodology, and and that, thanks to, to the beginners, basically that, that's how I got to get so much knowledge and so much information because I wanna, I wanna know, mm-hmm. right. Many things I don't ask myself because I take it for granted because I kind of feel that I know it, but I don't know exactly the 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 reason why. And uh, one question might just unfold a little teeny tiny universe of of history facts and and you know knowledge.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like super amusing. <laughs> and even even music sometimes I don't even listen to this. I, mean, I might listen to one song, but then the year it passes by. I listen to the song again and then it feels so different because I have different kind of vibe, different understanding and I'm I'm standing in my career in a different position where I can actually uh, appreciate it on a different level. So, and that's one of the things, it's like self-development where you can actually do the same thing but you will never be able to feel it the same way. It's Mm -hmm. just like rediscovering different things on the same uh, topic in a way,
2: Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Oh, this is, by the way, one of the songs from Alexis, so you should check it out. What is Alexis style? Where is this coming from? Yeah, Alexis that style,
1: right? It's uh, well, basically, this was this uh, a nickname. Uh, it was given to me by the late uh, Albert Torres. Uh, Albert Torres, for those who don't know, he is. Um, he was basically the co-creator of the concept called as Salsa Congress.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: Salsa Congress has been there since 1997. Uh, the first one happened in Puerto Rico. And it was a um, conjunction uh, cooperation between Albert Torres and Eli Edisari from Puerto Rico, both Puerto Ricans. And they started the, the first Congress called the Congreso Bacardi, de las Salsas so Bacardi was actually doing the festival, mm-hmm. uh, bringing people from all over the world um, to know what was going on with salsa around the world. Because we're talking about before social media, mm-hmm. people dance salsa, but no one really knows what the difference is. And it was, people was like blown away, like, okay, that's how people dance in New York oh, this is how the people dance in LA. Wow, this is the Cuban style, you know. And people (laughs) like really like discovering, uh, it was like a rediscovery of what was going on with salsa. So Albert Torres was uh, doing this uh, franchise, starting in Puerto Rico, went to LA, and eventually he went to Japan. And in Japan was this salsa congress going on. And of course, Albert Torres was already a figure. Everybody was talking about, and I never met him before. And the congress was already happening in Japan in 2002, 2001, I think they started. And when I was living in Japan, um, I wanted to participate, but I didn't have a dance partner. And mm-hmm. I was not allowed to participate. So if you don't have a partner, you don't dance. Now know, you used to dance solo. And I was like, okay, I, I missed the chance, whatever. Then the organizer contacted me. And listen, Albert Torres is coming a little earlier to Japan, but uh, no one of our team either speak English or Spanish. So we want to ask if you would be kind to esc- escort him, you know, <laughs> uh, while you know they're gonna be here. And I was like, okay, jackpot, that's my <laughs> golden <laughs> ticket. You're <not> gonna meet <laughs> this guy, and he came with his wife at the time. She was used to dance very nice. Albert Torres, well, you, Albert Torres used to be a dancer too. So um, I met him, and you know, just talking. Okay, where are you from? What do you do? You know, meeting him. One of my students in, in the city of Kyoto, he, he used to be a sommelier, like a oh, wine taster mm-hmm. He used to have his own kava, right. and you know, very expensive, very posh kind of pub. And he used to take classes with me. And when he heard that Mr. Albert Torres was visiting town, he was like, okay, I would like to invite him and maybe he can do a show. And since you are my teacher, can you do a show too? And I said, okay, why not? <sighs> So they arranged everything to, to have the show for his uh, customers. No salsa people whatsoever. In fact, just random people who just like to L- love the wine. Exactly. <laughs> and we had two shows. One show was at 10 o'clock and the second show was at 2, 2 a.m. It was like, you know, wow. a very interesting community this guy was having going on. So uh, I saw them perform and then the saw me perform. And he was like, "Okay, huh? Very interesting mm-hmm. dancing you got going on there." Because mm-hmm. I was mixing everything, I was dancing mambo, and then I was dancing with the music, and I was like compiling different things. That even hip hop, I think, I added into the mix.
0: What a style! It was
1: really weird. <laughs> and then after the show, we went to eat something before the the second show, and there's where we start to connect. It's like, "I like um, what you do." I mean. Um, Tell me about your styles. And I started to explain with my background, things that I've been learning. And then, okay, it's time for the second show. We went to the second show. And I could hear that the crowd was like cheering a little more heavily. People were a little drunk. And I felt like I was nervous, you know. Mm-hmm. I was a, you know, a newbie at the time as well. Mm-hmm. And I had to open the show for Albert Torres. And he came to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, Hey, kid, <clears throat> are you okay? I-, I see you're a little nervous. Are you nervous? I said, like, Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Don't worry, I saw you dancing, I know people will like it, it's just do, do, go out there, do your, uh, do your Alexis style, Alexis thing that you do,
2: oh. you know, and I did
1: my show, and nice Alexis style you got going on there, he said, okay, and then uh, when finished the show, uh, he said, okay, then I will see you at the Congress, and I said, no, why not, uh, because I'm not in the lineup, I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to perform, why not, because I don't have a partner, so you don't have a partner and you are not going to dance in the Congress because you don't have a partner? He said, yeah, well, this is basically the rules of the Congress. I said, don't worry, let me fix that. So he went to talk to organizers <laughs> and then they start to allow shows, like solo shows in Japan. And they changed the rules. So I want you there. And I went there and, and to perform. So the organizer contacted me and said, okay, you are now invited. I need your entry name. And I was thinking, okay, entry name, the artist name. I didn't have an artist name. And my name's Alexis Ruiz. That's it. I was thinking, Alexis Ruiz, that, that sounds boring, in my opinion. <laughs> because I saw the lineup and they like, uh, Salsa Brava, Salsa here, Salsa there. And I said, okay, let's do something cheesy. So salsa thunder, fire, salsa, mambo, <laughs> oh or something. Boy. And I start like, a, you know, brainstorming, thinking, oh my goodness. I, and then Fire
0: Cracker. Exactly. I was
1: reading the, the own paper, my own paper for a second I started reading and said to myself, what a fool. I mean just I'm not anything <laughs> of what I'm reading in this piece of paper. And then I start to remember what Torres said. And I'm thinking, what do I do? So I'm not really uh, uh, and I don't really have a mentor. Mm. I basically, I myself, taught of everything I did. I just got the foundation from my mom, and that's it. And then I took class here and there, and I just, it was no oh. internet, so I had to just simply have the mirror as, as a reference for me to create things, mm-hmm. and watching old school tapes, like, as I said, Charles Chaplin, so I'm just a weird combination of everything, mm-hmm. and my own imagination. Basically, also the music telling me what to do. So it's, it's, it's what, what style, is that's my style. What Albert Torres says, you do your Alexis thing, Alexis style that you do, Alexis style. Okay, and that was interesting. There you go.
0: Yeah. This is how <laughs> so
1: that's I'm basically what it is. It's a compilation of a everything story. that I, I do. You know, I don't have a particular uh, mentor. Mm. I, I got basically influences and mm. inspiration people, but I don't have uh, somebody that I can say, okay, I got this from this particular teacher. Mm. nobody really mentored me you know as i said the only mentor was my mom Mm -hmm. but until i left my country and after that was nobody else really
0: alexis style
1: (laughs) it does basically what it has become
0: instruments do you play?
1: Well that I play, that I basically feel comfortable, that I use in my productions basically, how many? I I don't know, I mean I I play the piano, I play the contrabass, the electric bass, I mean the five string bass, I play the guitar, um, I play the vibraphone, the marimba, for me the marimba was the first one and that's why I played the vibraphone as well, and mm-hmm. one of the first instruments also that I learned to play was the trumpet in primary school. <laughs> and <laughs> then I went for the saxophone uh, I played the flute. Um...
0: Oh, wow. You, know, you should have asked which instrument you don't play. Okay, <laughs> let me rephrase okay. it. Okay, <laughs> maybe the
1: violin I don't play. I mean, I haven't re- I Just maybe I held a, a violin in my hand once in my life. And it was for... <laughs> brief seconds just just to hold it that's it and i i don't know how to play it but basically it's, it's the same as the bass basically because you don't have frets you don't have the lines where you define where the fingering is supposed to go mm-hmm. and and this is very for me the contrapass is hard because of that because you don't have frets mm-hmm. so you have to really learn the positioning right but um i mean it's rhythm instrument so it's super i, I love the bass basically but violin, I mean, I think I will kill somebody's ear <laughs> if I it. go into that, so maybe not. <laughs> sounds it sounds like you're killing a cat or something, oh, man, so that I, was... I don't. And like the tuba, I don't know, uh, the bassoon or like this, like classical instruments, I haven't never tried them, so. <laughs> and I don't think I will be in a position where I will do that in my own music. <laughs> Uh, play the oboe in a uh, salsa. <laughs> Maybe I haven't really think uh, my much. Yeah. yeah. But that's basically what I... I, I play the instruments that I, l- I like to hear in a song, I will say. That's mm-hmm. why I went to it. Like, when I do a song, I want to... I have sounds in my head or instruments that I think, okay, this might look cool, uh, sound cool. And then, all right, I want to learn how to play that instrument. And that's how I basically... I went into buying books, tutorials, whatever, because I, I don't really have a teacher to teach me how to play the contrabass. I had friends giving me tips. I just went to buy an instrument and I, okay, get books, get tutorials and just wing it. <laughs> Papi, we are back, Papi, we're waiting for you.
0: <laughs> we are talking about sound engineering right now, Papi. Oh, my topic.
1: It's like, wh- how, how did I start with that? The things, okay, I'm being always um, geeking about uh, music and also um, one of the reasons why, as I said, I didn't get so, so much um, material to like, gather music because it was not so much places where I could actually get my hands into cool music. Mm. And nowadays, okay, you can just Google something and you, it pop up, you have Spotify, Shazam, you find a song that you like mm-hmm. and you get the information. Back in the days, it wasn't like that. And it's not like you could go to a record store and, and listen beforehand to know what to buy. The only thing you had is like recommendations and talk to DJs, go to the party and say, which song was that? Which song was that? And I used to bother my friends in Japan, especially in Japan, like, <laughs> where do you get this music? Where can I get this music? You know, mm-hmm. What's the name of the song? What's the name of the artist? So it was very hard to get music. And of course, my mind was bubbling with ideas. And I said, if I cannot find the music, why I don't play my own music for my shows? And that's how I started to geek into buying instruments. Right, wow. First, my perf- first pair of congas, bongos, you know start to little by little look at the stash at home it's like, okay I need to move to a bigger place because it's mostly <laughs> instruments it's nothing more space for anything else and they like, familiar <laughs> I mean gear right it just takes space and and then on top of that I was, okay I want to learn how to record stuff and I mean I was I used uh, Windows user at the time and it was so hard You had to find what's called the interface just to connect the the instruments Mm -hmm. and then how to connect to the computer it was a a music program called acid acid pro i remember and i mean for me it was like i used to make mixes mostly mixes uh with a cd player uh cd recorder and i bought a a mixing mixing set a pioneer Mm -hmm. mixing board and I have this. Um, I, w- I want to give a uh, big shout out to my my friend, uh, amazing DJ from Japan, DJ Angel Angel. Um, he was the Konnichiwa. first one making making my make my mixes uh, for the shows. And I used to kind of drive him crazy because I had this cassette player in Japan where actually I kind of made mixes and sketches and gave it to him. And I w- can you cut it here? Can you cut it there? It's in the Two, 2 minutes uh, 45 seconds and you know giving the recipe <laughs> and i went to him and it was very hard because everything was analog i mean you had the cd players you had the cd recorder you had to mix mix live and if you fail with the fader then you have to remi- remake a new cd and you have a pyramid of different mixes until you get the final mix so it was a long process and if the process is long, the quality drops because <laughs> it's the copy of the copy of the copy. So it was right. really, really hard and Angel was like a little frustrated because like I, he never got it right as I wanted. Mm-hmm. So then he was explaining me how to do it and he recommended me a mixing uh, device.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I went to have a mixing machine and uh, two CDJs and a CD recorder and I start to that's how basically I, I bought a microphone, and that's how in, in old school shows you can hear Alexi Star. You know, <laughs> I recorded at home in the morning because my voice oh. was Royce, my voice was rusty, right. and Alexi Star. They kind of tweak a little bit uh, with a with the exa- with the pitch bender. <laughs> so oh, it was really dark because back in the days was a cheesy thing that you had to actually voice uh, voice the name of the show or the name of the artist. Uh-huh. And now it's not a thing, but back in the days, los rumberos, you know, it's, it's a little like uh, <laughs> super cheesy. And you still hear it in my samurai show, it's like Alexi style. <laughs> so I, that's how I start kind of do my own mixes. And that's the first thing that I started to get like a gear, like a geeky gear. And I was like into DJing as well. And I start to collect music. And when I start to kind of do music, uh, I remember that was really, really hard for me to, to mix music because all my mixes were so complicated because it was many songs in one mm-hmm. with sound effects and stuff like that. And one of my friends, uh, my students, uh, he, he actually is a musician, a pianist. And he suggested to me, hey, listen, why don't you actually use this, uh, this program? It's a mixing program. And you can actually edit music there and stuff like that. And, and I will give it to you. He actually bought me. The, the present oh wow uh, and I, I got it and I just put it in a corner and I forgot about it and I kept mixing because I felt really comfortable mixing um, analog until I did a show w- with the samurai like a, with the sword effects and stuff like that and and it was so hard <laughs> and I said to myself okay I just I will just give it a try and then the universe like opened in my head when I start to see the things you could do and how much time you can save, how much material you can save by editing in the computer. And what is this? Oh, what is MIDI? You know, I start to understand. Like, <laughs> Media, like, digital interface. Okay, what the hell is that? You know, and I start to read about these things. And I kind of got the hands into mixing in the computer, not making music. But then I press a, a, a button on the, on the keyboard and it, it just opened a, a piano roll editor. Mm-hmm. And with the mouse I click and then ping so oh my god there's a piano in the computer. And that's <laughs> like do you know like this the, the book was in Japanese. I can speak Japanese, but I cannot read perfectly because you have these kanji words that yeah. come from China. There is like over three thousand characters. It's oh like impossible for me to really read a newspaper. I need I, I know two um um alphabets, which mm-hmm. is basically hiragana and katakana, and maybe I know like fifty kanjis. But you, I mean, it's like a reading the Bible. It's like so much technical words that even though I know in Spanish, I can read in Spanish or English, I don't know what they mean. Mm. It's too technical. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the knowledge. So I suffered a lot trying to kind of get into these things. And through the years, I start kind of learning and you I know, start to kind of experimenting on, on, on doing recordings, mm-hmm. you know, tutorials, and but I never really got my hands into you know, the proper technique
0: the engineering exactly and then
1: i went i went to actually um school for that
0: you started in oslo
1: yes my, my bachelor is in oslo right so i wanted to do music production but all the places were filled up and the only thing that was available was sound production for film
2: ah okay
1: and i was like okay that's not exactly the thing but i was super like excited like okay and I asked uh, the teachers, okay, what is the difference? Okay, the first year is the same for everybody, anyway, because it's, it's music. Is I mean, sound mm. It's the same. Is the same processing, no matter what. So, why not? You know, and I went for it, and psh, my head just kind of cracked open. Like, okay, <laughs> so many things you can do, and I get to know about you know psychoacoustics uh, about acoustic treatment and a lot of different things. You know, a lot of topics. And I went back to the old recordings that I, I made mm-hmm. and I re- remade them or recleaned them because I didn't have any clue. I, I, then I understood Whoa, what I was doing that's wrong. So cool. And then I remake it again and then I start to do, do new recordings and that's okay. Now I think I got the trick, right?
0: You want to edit my podcast here? I would love to. <laughs> I mean, I will say that it's, well, it's actually. a lot of material what <laughs> we have here. <laughs> no, but it's, I think it's a.
1: It's a <laughs> judging for the setup you have is it's sturdy it's nice oh, thank you thank
0: you I, it's, it's all puppy
1: is, puppy is doing good job yes. with this yeah very, very yeah. well uh, alexis approves yeah <laughs> alexis style approves i'm
0: yeah. the i'm the creative uh but but puppy is the
1: puppy is, is the is the gear geek like and good. i can say you have good stash here <laughs> I like
0: it. What now? You are producing new uh, music, and and by the way, again the music, the song that you're listening, it's called "So Beautiful." Yeah. So check (laughs) check out uh, Alexis uh, on Spotify. It's beautiful music that you have. Appreciate
2: it.
1: (laughs) Well, what's coming up? Basically, now the closest is um, the show that I'm where I'm playing, basically playing conga with the jazz musicians, happening tonight. But uh, upcoming things, I mean, I'm I'm hitting the the stages again because um, right after the pandemic, I started just to focus on opening my school. So I kind of stopped traveling. And now I'm starting to travel again, like trying to go to the festivals. And, you know, I got new material, new inspiration. So that's what basically what I want to do. While I can still do it, while my body still allows it, I will keep uh, (laughs) traveling and... And keep spreading the love of this beautiful culture. Uh, the love of Mambo, basically. It's my, my passion. Right? Beautiful. I think it's our passion, right?
0: Our passion, yes. Uh, and yeah, please, please, please come back with your lecture to Stockholm. I will um, do it. And I again, I would encourage everyone to join uh, Alex's um, workshops. They're very educational, inspirational and and. I can promise you you will you will understand more about the culture. It's beautiful. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. It <laughs> has been
1: a pleasure really to to Man. hang out with you guys, with Papi and Geeka about a little bit of everything. And thanks for the for the invitation. And of
0: course. You were on my top list. I remember when I decided to do podcasts, I was like, Alexis style <laughs> is a must. I hope he will say yes. <laughs> Definitely, I will say
1: yes. I mean, I enjoy this. Thank and you. And thanks for doing this because it's uh, very important for what we are doing in the salsa community and the dance community in general. And a lot of more power to you guys. I mean, I really, from the oh, bottom of you. my heart, I thank you for what you're doing. So
0: thank I you so I think it's great. Much.
1: So keep, keep it up.
0: I appreciate you. All
1: right, so... Thank you so much, guys. We're listening to to our geeks, And yeah, see you on the dance floor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or beside.
2: It. Or beside the
1: dance floor.
0: <laughs> and don't do crazy shit. Thank you, Alexis. A pleasure, guys. Ciao, guys. Ciao.
2: <laughs>